All right, so awesome. This is uh, this is uh, part two of Doc Scott's revival talk today. I guess I'm on a roll. Um, I wanted to. Um, it was an incredible interview that we just had with um, Marty Derricott from Dawsonville um, Christ Fellowship there at the North Georgia Revival. Um, pretty um, just powerful the things he had to say. Um, you know, just what it means to be all in and what Jesus is really going after and going after the heart. And I had a prophetic thing that I wanted to share that's not mine, but it was somebody else's, but I wanted to still share it because it's kind of a springboard for a couple things that I just wanted to touch on. But first, this um, parable in Mark chapter um, 4, verse 26. It says, Jesus also told them um, this parable, God's kingdom realm is like some someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed and he gets up day after day and the seed sprouts and grows tall, though he knows not how. All by itself, it sprouts and the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, then the head on the stalk, and then fully developed grain in the head. Then when the grain is ripe, he immediately puts the sickle to the grain because harvest time has come. I love that parable because it's like a picture of this particular one with the farmer. Everything is happening without necessarily the farmer, whether he's there or not. If you'll notice, he says he goes to bed and gets up day after day and the seed sprouts. Kind of emphasizing what happens when he goes to bed. Like he does the first part, but the rest of it, literally in this picture, it's like the grain and the sprout itself, it begins to produce almost as if there were a power driving it. Of course, we know what that is. That's Holy Spirit. But it's, it's this dynamic of waking up to a harvest, a harvest that's already plentiful, that God's already been doing so much in the background. And that's kind of the hour that we're living in right now in terms of revival and just, you know, what we've talked about a lot about the convergence of the ages, all the ages of the church, the synergy that's going on between the different tribes and streams. And so that parable is, you know, talking about the things that have already been sown, but it's also what the Holy Spirit is doing in the land. I love that one because it's like the farmer goes to bed, but this crop is still growing while he's sleeping. He's not working. He's not out there doing anything. He's sleeping and the crop is growing. And that's Holy Spirit Literally, because we get to walk in, uh, I'm going to combine another parable, as 11th hour workers. So we get to come in at a time when all of the sowing in every age of the church that has been done into the earth, literally into this earth, that uh, everything that the Holy Spirit has sown, everything that others before us have sown, we get to walk in to harvest you know, a billion soul, you know, multi-billion soul harvest right here at this time. So it's like we're living, you know, we've heard a lot of prophetic stuff about living in an accelerated time. I'm going to post, I think I posted a few of the words that I think are really good that are, that are kind of coming out a lot now. 
And what the purpose of the whole acceleration in this season is for, there's an acceleration in the spirit. Charisma Magazine just had an um, article about that. It was a prophetic word. And so, hey, Michael, how you doing? Um, uh, awesome, awesome. Um, but there's there's just so much that, that we're getting to walk into at this stage of the game that we did not prepare for. We didn't do. And so we're walking into a time that is ripe and a time that is cataclysmic where things are exploding. You know, there's a lot of words out there right now about suddenlies. And I mean, and a suddenly is just a suddenly. In other words, it happens just like that. And that there are a lot of us that are going to be going through some very quick transitions. And I've talked a little bit about how you know, in the middle of this transition where there was a little bit of a pause, you know, um, I I got, you know, I had a place where I, it got kind of funky for me emotionally, you know, which is kind of like, it's kind of what the enemy does in the pause. The enemy comes in and tries to tell you that, oh my God, you're really stupid. You're stupid for selling out completely to Jesus. You're stupid for laying down everything, throwing it all in, and being all in for revival when you could be off doing this or doing something, you know, a little bit more respectable. You know what I mean? Revival is messy, and the business of revival is messy. But it's like we heard um, Marty saying, it's, it, it's, all, it's all worth it. It's so totally worth it. And I think one of the things that... Um, it's interesting. I've had a couple different episodes of this. And yesterday at, at church when um, our pastor, Jamie and Radana had gone to Wales and they had visited a lot of the places where the, the Wales revival took place, where, um, you know, Edwards had preached from, you know, Reese Howell, all these places. And there was a really a mighty, like there was a real move of God and a convergence there with the people that came from all over the world and they came back and they were imparting essentially kind of the, they were, we had a mantling service. And so essentially where God is imparting mantles to, for the mandate, you know, the mandate is the assignment. And we know that, you know, the whole purpose of God getting us seated in our seat of authority, right? And in the place of our anointing, which we've talked a lot about how many of us have been going through seasons of convergence, and it's converging right now as things are coming together in different parts of our life, you know, the things we've done, some of the things that don't make sense, and, and some of the battles along the way where the enemy tried to take us out, like we're beginning to see this tapestry that's being painted and the threads in the tapestry, and there's one, there's a couple common ones that go all the way through. And I think Jesus is beginning to piece together the, the picture of why we exist. There's a lot right now where I feel like as we're stepping into who we were created to be, that we're really beginning to see what everything that's led to this as you know, that's, that's converging right now is really been about that every single season of my life, even the darkest ones have been part of my preparation and that God hasn't wasted anything in any of them. And some of the ones that were the most confusing, that didn't make any sense, where we had the greatest losses, they are all the, 
there is a return on those losses that are being released in this season. There's been a lot of us who have gone for long seasons where we haven't seen the return on the sowing, or we've actually experienced more loss in those seasons than gain. And a lot of us have been through, I know a lot of people have been through the mill where the enemies tried to take you out. You know, um, we've been like Joseph in the prison and the prison was grueling. Joseph had favor. I mean, my joke is like, you know, I've been like Joseph in the prison because wherever you put me down, I have favor, right? We have favor in, in, in places, but it's not the full favor that God really wants to release that's on us when we actually are in the place where we're seated and we, and we have the assignment and we're being mantled for that assignment. And so... We've experienced favor in pockets, you know, and much like Joseph, Joseph had favor his whole life, but there was so much that he went through in the process that was preparing him to be set up in a place of provision for a nation. I mean, I mean, there was so much that God was doing through Jacob and not only for that nation, but in preserving his people. And so a lot of what he went through didn't make sense. A lot of what many of us have been through hasn't made sense. Some of the things that are really painful, some of the losses, some of the suddenly, some of the things that happen that just don't make sense. And so I find myself in this place where um, I have a big box. I've always had one. I love my box. And I throw all the things in it that I don't understand. And that box gets fuller as time goes. There's things that happen that go down wrong or go down a way that I don't think or something comes into the mix and we feel like we lost something again or, you know, a season where we feel like we were under a lot of attack. And so I just keep throwing things in that box because here's what God's after. I don't have to understand what you're doing in order to follow you. And the reason we've talked about revival being a place of holy chaos and a holy chaos and holy disorientation is because in revival, God is changing everything all at the same time. And like our parable where the farmer goes to bed and he wakes up to a harvest, there's so much that he's been literally um, releasing in the earth that has been literally, we, we're, we're reaping the benefits of all of the ages of the church that are converging in this place right now, in this season, for such a time as this. And we're reaping a harvest where we didn't even sow. So the reason we have to have rapid acceleration in the spirit, because you look at a lot of prophetic words right now that have to do with rapid acceleration, uh, seasons of like Joseph, lots of suddenlies, a few reasons. One, because I think the Holy Spirit has to disorient us just to get us to cling to him and hear his voice. In the, in the middle of the biggest disorientation and to break us out of this radically familiar life that we like to build and we build the familiar quickly. Like it's, it's amazing how quickly if something comes that disrupts, we try to pull everything back in order. You know what I mean? We want everything back in order. Our creature of habit issue as a created person is 
it goes against what the spirit is wanting to do because we want control and we want order and we want everything to feel like we got something tangible. And so when Holy Spirit comes and does things and revival that's messy that we don't understand, that we don't fully get, and that literally is so disorienting because of the suddenlies, because of the changes, because the change is happening on every level. The bottom line with that is Jesus has to bring forced change so that we can be broken out of familiarity. The only way we can walk in the unfamiliar territory of the Holy Spirit is we have to literally be shaken out of everything that's familiar so that we're not grasping to anything except Jesus. And, and, we're, li and we're listening to hear his voice. Your voice, his voice in these places becomes the anchor in my heart. It's the only thing that I can cling to. So Jesus has to get pretty radical with us in breaking away everything that's familiar and, and foisting us into seasons of acceleration and forced change to get us out of the way. He's coming with a vengeance and with fire and forced change and radical. And that's what revival is. It's messy. And he's coming with all of these things He's literally saving us from ourselves. He has prepared us for this revival. He's prepared us to be a habitation. How has he done that? In the years that you and I have been holding on and holding on and persevering and persevering, what's the ironically the thing that has been birthed in my soul as a result? That God is good. Oxymoron. Years of perseverance, God is good. We would think we come out of that with hopelessness, but we don't. We come out of that and we, and we believe that God is good because he's always doing something, even in the background, that convinces us and makes us know that he's working on our behalf, even in long seasons of perseverance and waiting. And so we've come through this. This is one of the ways that God's prepared us. And the other part of that is, is that you know, we're not going to be fully prepared. Jesus is going to do a lot of preparing supernaturally and on the spot because he wants habitation. I need to be a walking habitation of Holy Spirit. I need to be a walking encounter and revival, okay? And it, it is the mercy, the love, and the favor and the radical passion of Holy Spirit to bring me into that place where I am that walking encounter. And if that means bringing me into a place where everything feels like chaos, there is a chaos that is worldly and there's a chaos from heaven. Chaos from world, worldly chaos is just when the stuff hits the fan. Chaos from heaven is what revival brings when, he, when Jesus brings forced change into the earth and disorients us and we find ourselves like having things happen suddenly, we find ourselves in places of acceleration, etc. Um, that's the kind of holy chaos that we're living in. That's what revival is. You know, in revival, everything changes simultaneously. 
God is not just doing one thing. He's doing everything at the same time. And the primary thing that he's always going after is the heart. You know, in the interview that we just had with Marty um, Derricott from North Georgia, you know, I asked him to talk about that, you know, and he already was, but just how in revival, the thing that Jesus has been after is our heart. He wants us to be all in. And so when people come into that water in the baptismal pool, literally, they're exposed because they're standing in front of people and they're being asked the question, why are you in the water today? And we're going to be doing that again the 13th and 14th of this month when Todd comes back at the remnant. We're going to have people standing in the water and we're going to ask that same question. And it's amazing what happens when Holy Spirit just shows up. I remember when I took three of my students up to Dawsonville, one of the things they freaked out about was, what are we going to say when he hands the microphone to us and asks us, what are we doing in the water today? <laughs> and I looked at those guys and I said, well, when you get in that water and the fire of God is all over you and the Holy Spirit is like totally on you, Whatever flies out of your mouth will probably be good. <laughs> and they were looked at me like I was cross-eyed. But the truth is, that's true. Because what happens when people step into the pool is, and the fire God comes, you literally watch people melt. You watch their resolve and everything that they're protecting and holding on to and trying to protect that God has been trying to pry out of our hands in the pool, we just let go. There's no more fight. There's no more trying to pry. There's no more striving. It's surrender. The only way to life in the spirit and to be connected to him and to live and move in him is through absolute surrender. And surrender means I don't have to understand what's going on. I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to know where I'm going. I don't have to know where I'm going tomorrow. Absolute surrender is what he's after. And I was reading this other prophetic word. I'm going to post this one too. I just want to read part of this one. It starts off, it's from um, Charisma. Church as usual is coming to an end and prophetic churches must emerge to fill the void. How odd. He says, everywhere I go, this is John Burton, um, I hear people desperately crying out for the end of church as we know it. They can't deny that the Spirit of God is creating a disturbance. We just heard about part of that disturbance. A dissatisfaction and yearning for the brand new wine. I never thought that I would be the one saying this, but the day of seeker-sensitive church, it really is over. There's no more seeker-sensitive. It's Holy Ghost on fire. Walk in and catch it, and your life will be changed. He said, Pastors, please hear me. The spirit-driven remnant that God is uniquely awakening to an end-times world will not be able to function in anything less than a raging furnace of... <laughs> I actually realized that I started <coughs> telling a story about church yesterday. I might get back to that. I might not. Um, uh, anything less than a... <laughs> anything less than a raging furnace of intercession. <laughs> 
Losing my mind has become my new norm, so I'm good. He says, an extreme Holy Spirit activity in the church. No longer can you silence the zealots. The zealots. Sorry, I'm English teacher. Can't even speak. Or smirk at the eccentric. They are your emerging end-time warriors. Okay, so all you have to do is come to Remnant on Sunday morning, and you'll see exactly what we're talking <laughs> I love it when you're in church. You ever have those moments in church? Like, I had a moment where I was like, it'd be really interesting if somebody, like my mother, you know, walked in. <laughs> <laughs> and could just take a snapshot, you know, where where you have a church of intercessors. This is what it looks like. People are praying, they're screaming in tongues, they're chopping, they're the, they're breaking, they're chopping, they're lifting, they're doing you got a sword over oh, somebody has a sword in their hand. I mean, <laughs> if you step outside yourself just <laughs> for a moment in church, you would look and you would say, these people are out of their mind. <laughs> and they are. It's wonderful. Um, but here's that's what he's talking about here. <laughs> he says... Um, I have people write me from all around the world pleading for assistance in finding this type of church where they live. They Okay, this is true. When we go into rural areas, one of the things that my wife and I noticed when we went to Vidalia or anywhere in Georgia, McCray, it's like you go into rural areas and people really don't, people, we don't really realize how fortunate we are. If you have a, a church that's like intercession driven and you've got people that like radically flow in Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit is showing up in power in your service. <clears throat> That's an incredible, incredible thing to have. Um, there are a lot of people that are isolated that don't really have that. He said pastors will be given to insane amounts of prayer through the week um, as they supernaturally and they will be supernaturally alert night and day. The result will be leadership that is marked by the incense of the Holy Spirit. Every decision, every service, every message will be branded by the active rhema and revelation of the Spirit of God. Dreams, visions will be normal among the church staff and members alike. The entire culture of the church will be driven by this critical communication of God. That was very interesting to me. I, I totally feel what he's talking about here because, because he's going to say why. He said the only way to develop a revelation-driven church is to first develop and sustain a furnace of intercession. When you go into an intercessory group, if you're not an intercessor, if that's not a place that's a gifting of yours, and it's 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 not mine because my form of intercession ends up with me on the floor face down screaming my head off and that is intercession but it's it's usually very very messy and very loud it doesn't ever look pretty for me so it's like any believer can be taken by the holy spirit into a place of intercession you don't have to be an intercessor to do that and but if you're intercession oriented at all 
you you fully get what I'm talking about here. He said people need to understand how to pray, why to pray, and how to yield to the Holy Spirit. How to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of praying in tongues, how to steward prophetic revelation, how to pray the scriptures, how to develop intimacy with Jesus, governing with authority, and more. He says that um, the days of predictable, scheduled, ordered church services must come to an end. We have become so enamored with human order in church that the Holy Spirit, biblical order, is um, rejected. When the primary service becomes prayer meeting with other expressions following, you simply cannot maintain an order of service. An attempt to do so is laughable. Revelation-driven church services will commence with a roar of supernatural intercession as anointed, prayer-fueled musicians and singers play and sing over the people. This is what happens in my church on Sundays. It won't be unusual for this to last for an hour or two. Our joke is lunch is at four. (laughs) If you're out before four, you haven't had church. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Um, the Christian karaoke is going to come to an end. From this furnace of worship intercession, leadership will release oracles, give prophetic messages that will be right in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing in that moment. There will be a Holy Spirit orchestrated dance where prayer, worship, decrees, declarations, instruction, healing, deliverance, and prophetic revelation fill the room. That's church. That's church in this era. Church of the other era is gone. Here's what he also says. There is a deep grieving in their spirits and many churches become focused and driven on how the churches grow numerically. And he goes on, he talks about that a little bit. I'll post this so you can read it. He says, in the, in the, in the church of today, everyone... Will be govern. Everyone will be governing and impacting the atmosphere through spirit-fueled prayer. Rapid-fire prayer is one of the great ways to facilitate this, giving everybody a chance to release decrees and declarations in a meeting. Invite them up to pray with passion on the microphone for ten or twenty seconds. As the service continued, include additional rapid-fire prayer sessions and provide a way. For people to share prophetic revelation. Whiteboards. Okay, think of this as a new church. Whiteboards can line the walls. Giving people a place to write prophetic words. To share dreams and visions. Or to draw prophetic art that God has expressed upon. Impressed upon. <laughs> he says, when you successfully steward a deeply prophetic culture in church. God will be talking a lot. Yes, we need that. This prophetic data must be rightly responded to. Prophetic assignments will emerge and the intercessors will have a nonstop job to keep them covered. You will find yourself heading out on prayer walks, making decrees over your city researching the spiritual history of the land, engaging in high-level spiritual warfare, starting prayer movements, challenging systems, 
developing strategies, and journaling it all. You will see the body dynamically moving from season to season, assignment to assignment. Everybody will have a part to play. This is um, pretty incredible. He goes on to talk about that part of what will happen in this is that it's going to be, it's, it, the believers meeting is on, okay? Seeker sensitive church is not on. Believers meeting is on because when you have a prophetic revelatory church, then those churches get assignments from heaven and they carry out those assignments. And that's one of the things we've been talking about as far as convergence and holy chaos being seated and the, the, you know, and all of heaven backing us up in that place because Jesus has been bringing us to this place for such a time as this. He's prepared us for prophetic revelatory church where that is our norm, where we can flow in the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can do that as a human is we have to be untethered to the familiar and thrust through force change into the unfamiliar where we live, move, and have our being. That's what Holy Spirit does, is he throws us into unfamiliar territory so that we cling to him and so that his voice, still small voice, becomes the same as the voice of God in the thunder. Hey, Robert, how you doing? Awesome. So I'll leave you all with that. I'll, I'll post that prophetic word. Um, it's changing. The face of what we do in church is never going to look the same. And if it does, run. Seriously. And if you're not a part of a revelatory, prophetic body that is hearing God, where people are hearing God and having revelation and encounters with heaven, and out of those encounters receiving the mandates that heaven has for us, that's what this past Sunday at Remnant was when our, when our pastors got back from Wales, was it was a mantling time. People that wanted to receive the mantle of what God wanted to give them in terms of anointing. Mantle is empowerment, right? It's all about, you know, Elisha and Elijah. You know, he got the double portion of the mantle. The mantling is so that you can handle the mandate. And the mandate that God has on us is greater than what we're seeing, even supernaturally. The mandate is the assignment that is on us to a complete and do in the earth. That's why God is so into getting us into our seats of authority and into the places where we function in the way that we were created to function in the anointing that we were created to flow in, that we're living out of the very place that we were created for. We have to be living from that place and we, if, so that we, we know why we were made. There is a calling and a gifting and an anointing on your life, and those things are all irrevocable. And so in a church where we find those things and we literally connect with them, a prophetic church releases everybody to do, to fulfill the mandate. And everybody in that church is having revelation. And so I just leave you guys with that. I'll post this word it's very good. There's several words like this that are out there right now. And this one was from Charisma Magazine. And I'll be talking to Todd Smith 
somewhere right after four o'clock today. So it'll be like the third time on today. But um, we talked to Marty earlier. It was incredible. Todd Smith's going to be here 13th and 14th. We can't wait. That's going to be awesome at Remnant. So bless you guys. And I'll be back on tomorrow with day 55.